Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the MVM Show. This is Titus, and today I have a special guest, somebody that have been friends for many, many moons now, and that is Josh Webster. Welcome to the show, my friend. Good to be here. Thank you. We're going to talk about coyote hunting today, guys. And uh, like you know, this podcast is not strictly waterfowl. We got military, we got um, predators, we do big game, do all kinds of good stuff. So, had the opportunity to sit down with Josh here this evening and uh, taking advantage of it. So, but before we do, guys, I just want to go over the sponsors and the partners of the show. I want to say a big shout out and thank you to Yukonuba for partnering with us. Guys, it's the best dog food out there. Proven. If you don't believe it, go on the YouTube channel, Mid Valley Mercenaries. You can see Dr. Byerly, my vet, go over how awesome Rocky's coat looks, how good everything looks. His teeth, his hair coat, like he said, just everything about him, his weight, and just his overall general health. So, you Canuba is where it's at, guys. He's been on it for a couple months now, and I'm so glad I switched. So also a partner to this podcast is Old Town. It's a new one. Guys, they have some legit kayaks and canoes. We just got ours in a couple days ago, been checking it out, going to get it out in the water, and it is a serious high quality. Um, I guess you'd call it a hybrid. It's basically like a little bit of a kayak and a canoe together. So go check out Old Town, and um, they're taking care of us, and I know that their equipment is going to Help us get in on the ducks this season. So without further ado, let's get in this podcast and the topic today about coyote hunting. Me and Josh go way back. Long ways. There is some stories that we will not get into tonight. <laughs> some his- We have some serious history when it comes to coyote hunting. Lots of uh, experiences, you could call them. Yeah, that'd be a better word. Yeah. So... I think we kind of like fish. I like really started going heavy when I was like when we were like what sophomores, probably yeah, probably in high right around there, yeah, yeah. And we're both thirty five right now. We're only a couple months difference in age, and so, uh, dude, he now Josh, I consider very. What's the word I'm looking for? Experienced or skilled in the world of coyote hunting. I'm not saying like, he, and he won't say this. He won't say that you're a professional and like you're the leader. And I know that, but like he does it all the time. You bait almost year round. And, uh, he's traveled, he even travels and went in other States and done it. So he's got a lot of experience about it. And I'd just like to pick his brain a little bit and see what you could give us and the listeners some advice on, how to kill those old wily coyotes? They can be difficult. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah, the the some of the experiences we've had, and I'm not and nothing negative. I'm talking about just calling them in to where they're basically running over your feet. Like, how many of those have you had? Just how many times has it been that that's happened? 
Close, like up close like Yeah, that? like where they're running basically about on top of you. It's It'd probably be tough to put a number on it over the last, uh, uh, you know, over 20-some-odd years of, of coyote calling. My first experience that I remember, I was probably uh, six or seven years old going out with my dad, and that's kind of what um, got me started. But uh, there's been, over 20-some-odd years, there's been lots of uh, lots of encounters up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of one right now that... Uh, I know exactly. I know exactly what <laughs> we'll you're We'll probably of. get to that a little bit later. Yeah, but, that's uh, fine. That one rings a bell pretty good. Hey, when you think someone's about to chew your foot off. <laughs> I would rather have it chewed off than the shot off. Than shot off <laughs> and that's almost what happened. Uh, it wasn't that close. I, Josh exaggerates just a little bit over yeah. here. <laughs> he says yeah. I almost shot it. You can tell him the story. Okay. Well, so... You were how old were we then? Sixteen, seventeen. Probably, yeah. Wasn't Travis there too? Was Travis, Travis? Yeah, Travis was there. Titus, uh, back then, you know, out. Well, let me preface it by saying this: in California, it's it's very difficult to, um, especially in the in the the area that we live in, it's difficult to get permission to hunt uh, on any any private property out here. And uh, California has a lot of public ground. The the, the Eastern Sierras. Um, but up in the Sierras and stuff, it's it's there's coyotes there, obviously, but it's not conducive to uh, uh, a real good uh, coyote hunt, I guess you could say it that way. It's just difficult up there with the mountains and the trees. So there's a lot of coyotes here uh, in, in the part of the state that we're in, but it's very difficult to get permission. And back then, um, we didn't really have a whole lot of places to hunt, uh, at least that we had permission on. Uh-huh. And so Titus, Titus, where he was living at the time, uh, they had a few coyotes. They lived out in the outskirts of town, and they had a few coyotes out there behind their house. And uh, we had the right idea. We were going to go out behind his house one night and call in some coyotes. Uh, the yeah, world at, of, at night. Yeah, yeah. The world, I mean, the world of night calling has evolved uh, immensely light since years then. since then. Yeah. We're talking 20, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago, probably. And so the world of, of night calling and predator calling at night has evolved a lot since then. But back then, I was we were brand new to night calling altogether, and and uh, a lot of the technology that's available now just just wasn't available then. And so all we had was a white spotlight in our call. And at that point in time, uh, we kind of I, I felt like at least that the only way you night called was you just sit out there in the dark and you called and. When you felt like you called one in or you heard when something. Hair, when your hair starts standing up on your <laughs> neck, you turn the light yeah. on. Shoot. Yeah, whenever uh, whenever you, you hear them, uh, you know, sift in the wind, then you turn your light on to shoot. But So we're, we, I drive over to Titus's house, and we, we're sitting out there at, uh, it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night. It's, it's dark mm-hmm. night. The moon's not shining. It's very dark. And the wind was right. Everything was good. We start calling. Travis is there. He's sitting right behind us. He has the spotlight. <laughs> and we're sitting in the dark. And... Uh, Titus is sitting, you were sitting to my left, mm-hmm. my left. Travis we, was right behind us. He was sitting directly behind us, yeah. So Titus and I are sitting shoulder to shoulder, his right shoulder against my left shoulder, and Travis is sitting directly behind us, and we've got our backs up to a canal bank. So Travis was sitting um, just above us on the canal bank, at least partway up the bank, and he had a little elevation on us. and. We're sitting there. It's it's dead silent. It's pitch black, and I'm calling away. And with the, uh, with the mouth call. Yeah, I was using hand calls back yeah. then. Still use some hand calls now, but uh, now we primarily use electronic calls. But it was all hand calls back then. And and we're sitting there. I'm sitting there calling away, calling away. And and then you know in between in between sessions as you're calling, you're sitting there in the dead silence. You're not mm-hmm. talking. You're not making any noise. And uh, there's nothing quite like. Uh, hearing the guy next to you scream to the top of his lungs and in, in in, it went from dead silent to a screeching scream and mind you we're only 12 inches away from each other I mean we're right beside each other and uh, simultaneously all I heard was there he is in a very loud scream and I no sooner in process what I heard and I saw a big flash and a big boom and that's I don't remember the screaming part. <laughs> oh, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember uh-huh. it quite well. Was that you? No, it wasn't me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you you screamed, there he is, there he is. And at the same time, a big flash and a boom, and the gun went off. 
And that scared me to death. I about jumped out of my shoes. It scared Travis. I think it scared everybody. Travis turned the light on, of course, and uh, there was a coyote right beside us. At least literally he, at our feet. Yeah, he was. He was literally right beside us, and uh, the wind was right, so he couldn't smell us. And it was so dark, I couldn't see him. And I, I mean, he probably wasn't eighteen inches, twenty-four inches from where we were sitting. Mm-hmm. But the wind was right, so he could not smell us, and that was key. And uh, when Titus saw him. I guess he thought he was going to get attacked. I'm not sure what he thought. There was a coyote. I was going to kill him. (laughs) So the gun went off. The light came on. And, of course, at that point, um, the coyote was as scared as we were. And he was was hightailing out there as fast as he could get out. And um, everything was in disarray there for, for, for a second. Obviously, the coyote got away because none of us were really ready for what happened. But when all the dust settled, um, I looked down where my feet were. And there was a small crater in the ground next to my boot. Oh, my goodness. And this that, story gets blown out of proportion every time it's told. And, and that's where Titus's 12-gauge went off. <laughs> went off? I, I squeezed the trigger. It didn't <laughs> accidentally. And no exaggeration. How far How far away was the hole in the ground from where, from where my feet were? It had to be in a couple feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go with after you pulled your feet in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with a couple feet. Uh, I, I don't know that it was a couple feet. I bet. Uh, look at it. I've been taught gun safety my whole life. The gun didn't accidentally go off. I pulled the trigger, and I would never compromise the life of my buddy. Well, where were you aiming when you pulled the trigger? At the coyote. <laughs> That's, if 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 the crater was a few inches from your feet, then that's where the coyote was. Coyote was close. Very close. It seems like I remember him being on my right and shoulder. Dude, how long did it take? Uh, 30 seconds that week from the time you started calling to when it came in? Yeah, I didn't take it. It was under a minute. It had to have been. Yeah, it was Which quick. that ain't the first time that's ever happened to us. But No, I went out. Um, I was actually out a couple nights ago. I had a, a friend fly up from Colorado. And uh, see, first, guy, he's a hunting fiend. He's a t- he's gonna tell a story. How he was coyote hunting two nights ago. Actually, where he lives in California is actually pretty sweet for coyote hunting. Well, I've been we've been blessed over the years to uh, finally gain permission on a lot of ground, and so we have permission on a lot of really cool spots to hunt. And then where I live, I live on a large cow ranch, and so there's a lot of coyotes there. But um, had a had a friend fly out um, a few nights ago from Colorado. Took him coyote hunting for the first time. For his yeah. first time, yeah, he had never been. He had Did never, you guys get anything? Yeah, yeah, we killed two. Um, nice. We really only got to hunt for for one night, and and uh, he got in late, and uh, so we only had time to make two stands. The first stand we called in, we called in a double. Um, wow. He was able to kill one of them, and then we went to another spot and made another stand. And the point I was making is, on the second stand, I hadn't been calling maybe forty five seconds, mm-hmm. and a coyote come running in hard. He was just over one knob from us, one hill from where mm-hmm. we had sat down. And uh, he came in running hard. He, maybe 45 seconds he was on top of us. It didn't take long, and it was it happened so quick. Um, my buddy wasn't ready. And, yeah, uh, as, as was what happens to people that don't, even people that know what they're doing. It's It can happen quick. Yeah. I mean, especially if you if you go uh, weeks and weeks and months and months and months, and, and you, nothing like that happens and you mm-hmm. kind of get lackadaisical. And then when you least expect it, you go out and go call him one evening or one day and, you know, you start calling and 20 seconds later, he's sitting on top of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for him, we, I was able to get the coyote stopped and, uh, really close to us. And he was able to get a shot off and ended up, uh, taking a mature female. But how, how close was he in when it originally came in and when he wasn't ready? Mm, 15 yards he went from out of sight to 15 yards in just a matter of seconds i mean we started calling and i saw her eyes we were night calling and uh, oh okay that's yeah, different we were night calling i saw her eyes and from the time i saw her the first time she closed the gap to 15 yards in i don't know four or five seconds mm. and she was on top of us just right. so quick yeah and you know, if I hadn't seen that for myself so many times, Kyle Hutton, I almost wouldn't believe that. You know, like it's it, it's incredible how much ground they cover. One thing I I was gonna bring up, and I thought about this, and I don't know how often you've done it. I haven't. I'm not gonna say I've done it a lot, but the times that I have did it, it actually paid off. And that is carrying one guy carrying a shotgun mm-hmm. with buckshot, and then one guy with the the high power rifle, yep. so to speak, whatever you want to call it. 
And uh, one time, me and Michael went out. I took him. I can't remember exactly where the area was, but took him out. He wanted to go. And we were like on this kind of a knoll, but it had three canyons, going, like ravines going off separate ways. So a finger going this way, a finger going that way, like three different ways. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a tough spot to call. It probably wasn't the greatest area because basically even if I'm pointing my call this way, it's going to hit volume down each little draw, right? so to speak. And we were facing, I'm just going to say north, you know, we're facing north and I think we've been calling for five, six, seven minutes and all of a sudden I catch a glimpse out of my left eye. I don't know if I ever told you this. I had the shotgun, Michael had the rifle because I wanted him to shoot one. And I looked over to my left and there is a coyote less than 15 yards from me. But I think he he, he was downwind because he ran like he was running and hit like a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Hit that 15-yard deal and like did his side hop. You know how they just bing, bing. They kind of do that side hop, mm-hmm. bouncing sideways, but they're still interested. But something ain't right. Yeah. And they're circling he, you. Yes. A lot of times they're circling. A lot of times the coyote's doing that. He's trying to smell you before he gets any. A lot of times the coyote will pick you up with his nose before he ever sees you with his eyes. Mm-hmm. And a coyote's nose will blow more stands than his eyes ever will. They have great sight. But they use their nose and to confirm, yeah, to confirm everything yeah. before. A lot of times they'll use their nose to figure out what's really going on before yeah. they fully commit. Yeah, and that's must a lot of hunts up too is them seeing you, but they're still interested. But then start quartering around, and then it's like pff, forget it, take yeah. it down one. But anyways, that coyote, I go Michael, Michael, you know, and I told him he looked left, and he, you know, he hasn't shot rifles very much and even if he did even if i had the rifle i couldn't have made the shot because obviously he bounced bounced trying to quarter then he realized i gotta get out of here and he kicked the afterburners on and i swung that shotgun around and rolled that dude yeah going mach 20 with that buck shot just hit him perfectly right actually right behind the shoulders whatever he was so close i mean you can't almost miss but rolled him up and i was like man see and that was the first time i I, you know, I know professionals that do that and they take that, but me and you've talked and me and my dad have talked on the times we went like, we need to carry, one guy needs to have a shotgun and one guy needs to have a rifle. And that was the first time that I seen that pay off, you know? Yeah. I've, I've personally blown a lot of coyote hunts because I was too lazy to carry shotgun with me. You know, I hunt by myself a lot because, you know, there's not always somebody to go with Mm. and, um, a lot of times, if I'm calling in the daytime, I'm carrying a chair, some type of chair, typically like a little turkey chair or something. And then I've got a small bag that's got, you know, I've got two calls in there. I've got some hand calls. I've got backup batteries. I've got lights. And then, of course, I've got my rifle. And uh, depending on how I'm hunting or where I'm hunting, I may have a tripod or I may just have my bipod on the front of my rifle. But the point is, there's a lot of gear to carry. Right. And, um, when you're making multiple stands throughout the day or the night, you get tired of packing everything, and so you get lazy. And I've lost lots of coyotes that that have come in that you just couldn't stop them. They run in close, and they were well within shotgun range, but you couldn't get them stopped in time to take a shot with a rifle. Or they'll just run in, run into 20 yards, and at that point they bust you, and then they just keep running right, right. out. So they run in and run out, and you just never get a shot. And... uh but it, it's it if a guy is willing to carry a shotgun, you'll definitely kill more coyotes with it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's it's the hassle of it. If you're by yourself, I mean, it's it's a pain. And and really to is. switch, yeah, is tricky too. You know, oh shoot, you know, I have the rifle now. I got to throw that down, grab the shotgun. Yeah, but when you're going out with two or more, it's I don't know, it's nice, especially at nighttime. <clears throat> uh, tell us a little bit. About those red lights. I mean, that's a game changer from white light to yeah the um, to red light. Over the years, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of companies have come out with some really cool some really cool hunting lights. And um, <clears throat> when I first started using red lights, um, I couldn't believe the distance that you could pick up. Mm-hmm. How far? I, I know for a fact myself. Um, because just knowing the places that I hunt, um, I know for a fact I've personally picked up, you know, picked up a coyote's eyes at a half mile mm-hmm. because I know where I was standing and I know exactly where he was standing mm-hmm. on the ranch and I know the exact distance down to the footage. I mean, literally measured it in Google Earth and um, I've I've picked coyotes up, you know, at a, at a half mile, picked their eyes up. Now, obviously, you're not seeing their body. 
but you're seeing their eyes. And I mean, I've called the coyotes in, I picked them up at a half mile out and watched them all the way, you know, to, to within range and killed them mm-hmm. and, um, and, and start tracking them coming in at a half mile. Now, if, if it's a, a real bright night, if it's a full moon or a half moon and it's really bright, that is going to reduce, you know, your ability by quite a bit. It really, it hampers and hurts the, uh, that light by quite a bit and you can't pick them up near as far. Mm-hmm. And if you're hunting, if you're calling on a full moon night, it, it reduces it by a lot, but on a dark, dark night, um, five, six, 700 yards without any problem at all. And I've seen that myself too, you know, um, what's the name of, what brand is that? Those lights that we got? Uh, the ones I, I use are called wicked lights. Wicked lights. There's a lot right. of good. Yeah. There's a lot of good lights out there. Um, I just I use Wicked Lights. I've got some headlamps and handheld lights, and they've they've worked good for me. And I guess if it ain't broke, I don't I don't try to right. fix it. So, and there's there's some serious powerful lights. And like Josh said, kind of tell us maybe this can kind of be the base of tonight's podcast. Um, got someone calling, but it could be the base of our podcast tonight and that would be night hunting for coyotes you know like the tips because maybe some people i mean i think there's a lot for people have had no experience you don't just go out there blow a call and shoot a coyote i mean i'm not saying it's it can happen yeah sure but i'm just saying your odds i see these people some of these people and i won't mention any names or nothing but they're they're coyote hunting and they never see coyotes and i'm like dude the reason you ain't seen coyotes, you're walking out to the first stand, you're talking loud. Yeah. Number one, you're, it's over right there. Yeah, you make if you right off the bat, coyotes aren't stupid. No, they got excellent hearing, excellent eyesight, phenomenal. Uh, their noses are, are people way underestimated coyotes' nose. Big time. And um, I mean, for starters, if you, if you get out of the pickup and you're making a bunch yep. of racket, you're slamming the door. Yeah, you're putting them on alert. I'm not saying you can't get out of the truck and slam a door and make noise and still call in coyotes because it weird can things ha- happen. Yeah, yeah, crazy things happen. I mean, we've done it a lot, as the saying goes. You know, a blind hog will find an acre and every now and then. So it does happen. But you are uh, you're you're hurting your odds a lot mm-hmm. right off the bat when you're when you get out of the truck and mm-hmm. you're making noise. Yeah, for sure. And these guys are doing that. You know, they're making all kinds of noise. They're moving around in the sunlight. They're not staying in the shadow. You know, and I'm talking about daytime. And then it's like. I, it's like, yeah, I just kind of laugh when I see those videos. I'm like, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So daytime is one thing, but let's kind of hone in on the night. Maybe even if people are listening to this and don't have any experience, it's a different ball game. It's a different aura. Yeah. It's a different feeling. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got the gun, but you're like, you're looking at complete black darkness and then boom, you switch that light on. So just kind of go into what you do for a night hunt, like from start to finish. Night, I mean, as you said, night hunting is... Um, so what, well, let's first do this. What's your, in general, what's your favorite coyote gun? Like what? Caliber? Yeah. By far, my favorite caliber is a twenty two fifty. Yeah, same here. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I've, I've been... I mean, What's your gun? What right now? What do you got? Like model, make a lot. Of good the stuff? gun I'm carrying right now that I've I've really been shooting a lot is uh, a Tika T3 Light. So I mean I see a lot of guys that buy guns and um, one mistake I see them make for a quote unquote dedicated predator rifle is they will go out and buy a 30 pound what I call a bench gun gun that weighs 25 pounds. And they've got a huge bull barrel on it, and mm-hmm. it's floated, and they've got rails, and they've got, and all that stuff's fine if you're sitting on a bench and you're shooting long range. Um, <clears throat> but if you're if you're calling hard and you're making, I mean, you're making ten, twelve, fourteen stands in a day from daylight till dark, and you're packing around a twenty four pound rifle, a mm-hmm. twenty pound rifle, uh, eighteen pound rifle, that that that's that's not a predator rifle. Yeah, you kill predators with it. But um, when I'm when I'm what I look for in a predator rifles is one of the things I look for is something that's light. I carried a Remington 700 uh, ADL for a long time, and that I don't know what that gun weighs, but maybe seven pounds, seven and a half, somewhere in there. And then um, I I bought a Tika. I think I bought this Tika probably five years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Tika T3 light, chambered in 22 250, and uh, 
love the gun. I think the gun weighs somewhere around six, six and a half maybe. Wow. And, uh, you know, for me, I want something, if I've got to carry it in the truck, out of the truck, up right. the hill, down the hill, up and down, I, I want something that's light. As light as um, possible. Yeah. And that's that's definitely one of the things that I'm looking for. Um, you know, when you're carrying, uh, there's a lot of cool rifles out there that I, I would love to have. And, and I have rifles right now that shoot as good or better than my Tika, but I don't carry them because they're too heavy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's it gets old if you're having to carry that thing around all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to roll from guns into night hunting, like just take, like I said, take us through like the whole process as if somebody you're trying to explain to somebody that's never been on a night coyote hunt. Walking through it. Somebody that's never been on a night coyote hunt. Um, it is night calling in itself is presents a lot of different challenges, obviously that, that daylight, uh, doesn't present coyote calling in itself. And and I keep, we keep referring to it as coyote calling, but I mean, you could be calling bobcats, gray fox, um, coyotes. There's, you know, predator calling in general presents enough of its challenges, um, in and of itself that in the daylight hours, it, it's a, it's a difficult, it can be a very difficult thing. And when you take, take that and you, you switch it over to, to the darkness, um, to night calling, I think you give even more of an advantage to the predator. Obviously they have better eyes than you. They got a better nose. They have better hearing, um, and they can maneuver much quieter than you can. And so you just give them that much more of an advantage. Um, you know, it's when you incorporate night calling, you've went from just really worrying about your rifle to now you've got to run a light for one thing. You've mm-hmm. got to find the coyote or the bobcat or whatever it is. And um, you've got to keep, obviously, you've got to keep that animal in the light long enough to take a shot and be able to take that animal. And your range, your range is hindered a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're set up right and, and, you know, in the daylight, we've seen, I've seen a lot of five or 600 yard shots on coyotes. Now that's not, <clears throat> that's not shots you take every day. And, and we certainly try to call them in as close as we can. Um, that's the whole goal, but you know, a five, 600 yard shot on a coyote in the daylight can, can certainly be done. I, I don't know of anybody that's going to pull off a 500 yard shot at night. It's right. just, uh, you well, know, it's hard to, happen. I mean, looking at that coyote with the red light on them, I don't see. I you might really not even be able to see him. No, I would think that, at five hundred yards, you're not gonna see him. You're not. Yeah. You're not. You mean it's gonna look like a brown blur? Yeah, you're gonna have. You're gonna see maybe a, a small outline. Yeah. If the lighting's perfect, you're gonna see a small outline. Yeah. Most cases, you're not gonna see anything but his eyes. Right. And the other thing, I mean, like, what's the range at night that you could still see the whole outline of the coyote? You can see or or the bobcat or whatever. 200 yards? Yeah, on a dark, of. and I keep referring to a dark night because that's really when the light works, the the light, the handheld lights work right. best. On a dark night, I mean, I've killed, you know, I've killed coyotes at, at 225, um, and that's, for me at least. That's like the max. Yeah, you're, you're for me, you're pushing the limits out there at, you know, 225, 250. That's, that's a long shot for me at night. Mm-hmm. Um I would say. And it's hard to judge distance. It's extremely hard to like, judge distance. okay, is he 50 yards or is he... 200 yards. It's extremely hard, to, and I've done it for a long time, and I still, there's times, I'll, I'll look at a coyote standing out there, and I'm trying to determine if he's 100 yards or if he's 225 yards. Yeah. Um, it's just something about, you know, running that light at night, and if you're not super familiar with wherever you're at and you, you don't have any landmarks, you can misjudge the distance by a long way. But um, I would say, you know, my average shot at night uh, is inside of 100 yards. Yeah. You know, 50. Yeah, very comfortably. Yeah, yeah. 50, 60, 70 yards would be a, would be a pretty average shot for, for a night calling. Um, like I said, we've killed them out 200, 220. Yeah. But that's that's pushing it. Yeah. That's pushing it a long way, in my opinion. For and the it. other thing is people got to think about is if you do shoot that coyote, bobcat, fox, whatever, at that distance, finding them can be very hard could be very difficult because you could be so mixed up on your spot i mean sometimes it's obvious you know you got landmarks like a rock or a tree or a log but if you're sometimes we have spots that are just wide open like plains almost right yeah just wild grass brown grass i mean you're and that grass is three four foot tall good luck you uh, good luck is is exactly right i mean we've 
I've 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 put a lot of coyotes down and, and been with people that I know without question killed the coyote. Um, if you if you've hunted very much at all, you know what the report of the rifle is. If, if you, yeah, you hear it. Yeah. And so I've I've watched many coyotes, you know, drop in their tracks. Heard the report of the rifle. There was absolutely no question uh, that that they killed the coyote and walk out there and can't find him. And I know without question he's dead, and you mm-hmm. just can't find him when you're hunting. A lot of the country, we, like you said, we hunt out here. There's no trees. Mm-hmm. There's no rocks. It's it's just wide open, rolling rolling foothill country. And uh, especially in the summer when the grass out here is, you know, two foot plus tall and that coyote's dead laying on the ground, it's it, it can be near impossible and at times impossible to find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've left a lot of them laying right there and just couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and that's, that's not what we want to do either, you know? But uh, so... So and let's say the coyotes come in, he's a hundred yards. What are you doing if you got a buddy holding the light? They just they put it right on him, right? You just keep it. I mean, because there's zoom in and zoom out on that light, you can make it really broad. Well, first off, let's do this scanning for him because when you take someone out there for the first time that's never scanned with that red light over the hills and rocks and trees, looking for those eyes. They go real slow. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, they're trying to see a coyote. Right. Instead of eyes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're wasting so much time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you're scanning, um, <clears throat> when you're scanning for, for predators at night, you're not necessarily looking for the body of the animal mm-hmm. at all. You're looking for eyes. And and um, you, and when you see them. There's well, no question. Yeah, when I, I there's no question. I mean, I've taken a lot of people out that have never coyote called at night, and I just tell them, look, their eyes are going to look like two red, two red Christmas tree lights sitting out there. Mm-hmm. So you're obviously scanning, you're scanning out there, and and you're not seeing anything. I said, but when they show up, you're going to have two little red light bulbs sitting out there in the middle of the darkness, you know, and um, that's really what you're looking for. It, you don't you don't take a ton of time to scan. Now I leave I leave my light on probably 90% of the time from the time we start to stand till the time we finish, which on an average coyote, if I'm just calling for coyotes on the average coyote stands probably about 20 minutes. Mm. My light is probably on, you know, 90% of that. And, um, just through the years of coyote calling and stuff, I've just learned things can change so quickly. Just like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, that coyote went from nowhere to on top of us in five seconds. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to be prepared for that. And and so 90% of the time I'm scanning yeah. and I, I continue to move and it's a continual, continual scan, probably 90% of the time. And if you, if you're not running the light, it can almost make your eyes spin in your head a little yeah. bit because yeah. we're trying to keep up with that light and like, man, wait, wait, I thought I saw something. But when you see it, you know, you know, there's just absolutely no doubts. There's no... Basically, there's no need of wasting time like trying to scan, you know, scan every nook and cranny of every rock and tree. No, when we when when I first started coyote calling at night, you know, obviously you're brand new to it, so there's a lot of things that you have to learn about it, and there's still a lot of things you you learn about predator calling even to this day. I learn things all the time, and you're you're constantly learning and constantly evolving. But when when I first started calling at night, like you said, you're 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 really focused on where that light is that one beam where it's at in that yeah. one specific spot. Yeah, yeah. And as, as time went on, you learn more, you widen that beam up. And, and I've got to the point now, I, I really widen the beam on that light and I soften it by quite a bit because even, even running it on, on like low power, you're still going to pick those eyes up at a long, long ways. Right, right. And so you saving, you know, you're saving the battery of your light, one thing. And then two, you're not just doing what we call burning them up. I yeah. mean, if it sometimes, and and this is a topic of debate. I mean, some people will say, you know, coyotes can't see the red light, or they can see it, or this or that. Um, but I'm just telling you, I I can't. We can't prove that they're seeing red, or they're seeing green, or they're seeing white. They got to be seeing some. They're type seeing of flash. something. Yeah, they're some seeing something. Flash Obviously, something. nobody's ever talked to a coyote to find out what they're seeing, but they're seeing something. And right. I've called enough of them in to know right, right. that they do see something, and 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 we could all agree on that. And uh, I, you know, so you're scanning out there. I I get to where now I I widen the beam and I soften it by quite a bit, yeah. Because I try not to um, just burn them up, and uh, I'll keep it soft as as I can, and and really 
will keep it soft all the way in almost if I can until they're within range. And a lot of times I will not crank the light up until it's time to take the shot. I'll keep yeah. the light as soft as you can um, until it's time to take the shot. And then whoever's on the gun, I'll tell them, you know, obviously get ready. You know, we're going to get ready to take the shot. And then right before the shot, I'll crank the light up and really light them up to make it as easy as possible for the shooter. But um, I really keep it as soft as possible when, when I'm scanning. And it doesn't take, it's really surprising. It doesn't take a lot of light, especially from those right. red and green lights. Um, the light can be very soft and you'll pick coyotes up at, you know, their eyes at three, four, 500 yards. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. Now what if you come in and like, a, I had this, I think it was actually my first night official with the, well, I, not my first night hunting trip, but with, um, with the red light, we were out there, on the the place that Travis has permission on, and I killed that double. Remember, so if someone yeah. has a double coming in, what's one of the features of, of those e collars that you can have? I mean, I shouldn't say just e collar, but it is kind of nice because what's that called? Something bang or something where if you fire a shot, it will start actually doing a coyote in distress. Yeah, so you know, there's a lot of good brand brands of collars and a lot of good collars out there. I personally. My uh, my choice is Fox Pro. I use Fox mm. Pro, and Fox Pro has a feature on some of their calls. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be there. It's not their top end call. I mean, obviously, that feature is on their top end call, but from their mid range call on up, uh, they have a feature called Fox Bank. And what it is basically is um, you can set the sensitivity with your remote to where when the gun goes off, um, you can set that call to change to a particular preset sound. Um, and so, for example, if you call in, say you call in a double and uh, you shoot, mm -hmm. take the first coyote, right. obviously 99% of the time the second coyote's going to be running away. And um, you can, at times, stop that second coyote and get a shot on that second coyote. If you play certain sounds like a coyote in distress, uh, pup screams, uh, coyote distress and things like that. And, and what it basically is mimicking, like if you step on your dog's foot and he screams, that sound can go off. And, and, and not all the time, but a lot of times it'll stop those coyotes mm. that are running away. Mm. Those coyotes will stop. Their curiosity gets them. They'll hear the scream and they'll stop to look back to see what's going on, maybe see where their mate is or their partner, whoever it was that came in with them. Uh, they'll stop to look back to see what that noise is and what's going on. And that give you maybe just a, a split second few seconds to, to take a shot on that coyote but yeah fox bang and it's just a feature where when the gun goes off it automatically turns that sound down or sound on and uh to a preset sound of your choice i use pup screen most of the time and uh that that has helped quite a few times on on presenting a second shot on a running coyote yeah and i i experienced that firsthand you uh we did that that night Stopped. I think three came in actually, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, there was uh, there was three or four coyotes came in on that. That's one, a rush so. right there, son. It's a lot of fun <laughs> when when the pack comes in. What's the most you've seen come in in one group? Uh, the most I've ever seen come in at one time was nine. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a whole family. Yeah, it was maybe uh, two. Yeah, it was a bunch of coyotes. We were we were. Uh, it was early in the morning. We were we were we were morning. It was daylight, and we were we were morning calling and. Started calling and we had nine nine coyotes come in and ironically enough never killed one on that stand. I don't. <laughs> that sounds I, exactly like coyote hunting yeah, right there. I don't know what happened. I, I honestly I can't remember. That's been several years ago, uh, but nine coyotes showed up. I don't remember if the wind was wrong and they they all left and they got our wind. I don't remember what happened, but I do remember we didn't kill anything on that. Either stand. way, that'd be so tough to get more than just a couple. You know, if you kill a double. Um, that's good. That's saying something. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Ain't nothing to sneeze at. I mean, no. it's really good. You kill a triple, you've done. You've really done something. Yeah, no doubt. Did you ever see that video? Of those guys in the snow, and they killed four. Yeah, I did on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that was so, pretty cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a few videos out there of guys you see on there killing four, maybe even there may, if I remember right, there might even be one floating around there where a guy killed five, but. That's that's not your norm. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I know it was a lot. Like it was more than even just good. It was like insane. Yeah, it's that's definitely not the norm. No, and the environment was right because the thing was in deep snow trying to get out of there. It kind of was 
If that was a wide open plane, that thing would have been so far he would never had a chance. Yeah, the video, the video that I saw, uh, at least a couple different ones. They just, they might have been young coyotes, and uh, you know he just kept screaming on those. I think he the the video I saw he was using a open read uh, mouth call. And he just kept screaming on it. He'd take a shot and keep, he'd go back to screaming on that call and they'd stop. He'd shoot another one and just kept working it like that. And uh, he was able to put down at least four or five. It was pretty cool that's to watch. Crazy. Yeah. Well, let's go into something that's, that is highly, what would be the right word I'm looking for? Highly, fought against and that still ain't the word i'm looking for but i've i've put some videos up of some coyote hunts that we've had that were really good and i mean if any videos that people freak out about it is hunting predators for some reason now i'm gonna say coyotes in this instance i did a video and i've never got so much hate speech if you want to call it that against Coyote hunting. So tell us, Josh, why do we hunt coyotes? What what are the the benefits of it, if there are any? And I'm just speaking like I don't know, but what are the benefits? Why do you do it? Why are you killing innocent wily coyote? <laughs> well, there so the coyote the coyote calling and the coyote hunting community. There's a lot of forums. There's a lot of Facebook pages. I mean, there's a lot of groups that you can you can become a part of and, and chats and different things. And a large percentage of and and what I'm about to say here in the next minute or two, some of you out there listening may not agree with this, but and that's okay. But I've been I've been killing coyotes for a long, long time, and so I just I just know by experience, but. A large percentage of people that, that call and kill coyotes, the first thing they'll tell you if you ask them why are you doing this or if they feel the need to defend themselves is they're going to tell you, well, you know, coyotes kill deer and they kill baby deer and they kill dogs and then there's a lot of cattle in our country where we live and they'll tell you, oh, they kill calves and, you know, my great my great uncle's cousin's brother next door had six calves killed and mm-hmm. we're trying to protect the calves and and they'll come up with all these reasons, right? And and I'm not disagreeing with any of that because a large a large portion of, of fawns, uh, young fawns that are killed are killed by coyotes. Mm-hmm. Um, coyotes are devastating on sheep. You know, my dad ran a, a long line trap line back in the 80s um, while it was still legal to, to trap here in California and in Nevada. It was coyote trapping there, and he trapped for a lot of sheep sheep ranchers. And and I saw as a kid even I saw firsthand the devastation these coyotes have on sheep, mm-hmm. so I'm not negating that. I, I I'm not arguing that at all. They 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 can and are devastating at times on sheep. They kill a huge population of our of our fawns, um, and then antelope. They're hard on antelope calves, elk calves. I mean they they certainly do. But a lot of times you'll ask people why they do it, and the first thing they want to do is come up with all these reasons. I'm I'm not the guy that's going to tell you that. The first thing I'm going to tell you. When somebody asks me why I coyote hunt, is I'm just going to be blatantly honest with them. I coyote hunt because I have a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of fun, and I, it's something I've been doing for a long time, and I enjoy it. My heart still pounds out of my chest. I don't know how many coyotes I've killed. I don't know how many times I've called coyotes. I couldn't tell you. Lots and lots and lots. It still makes my heart beat out of my chest every time I do it. We just, like I said the other night, we just went out the other evening a few nights ago, called in a few coyotes. My heart, it still gets me. So that's why I do it. I go back for that. Now, that being said, as I said before, coyotes are hard on on sheep. They're hard on deer, um, and and they do kill. They do kill calves. I've, I hunt for some some ranchers around here that have had some trouble, and I I use the word some, you know, l- loosely, um, because by and large, now I can't, I obviously I can't speak for everybody listening to the podcast and there's some of you out here right now that are freaking out saying this guy don't know what he's talking about and, and that's okay. But I can tell you, I hunt for some large, large ranches in this, in California that run lots and lots of cows, thousands upon tens of thousands of acres. And I, I don't really know what the percentage is, but by and large, 
99% of the time, these guys do not have any trouble with coyotes killing their calves. Mm. Okay. They do kill them. And, and a lot of times, coyotes will get blamed for killing calves that they didn't kill. The rancher shows up, calf died overnight, or was stillborn, or had an issue, and, and, and died overnight, and the coyote's eating on it the next morning, and then they blame the coyote. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not here advocating and saying coyotes don't kill calves, because they do. They do. It happens. It happens all the time. It happens all over the country. But the percentage of calves killed by coyotes is not what some people make it out to be. They act like that that, that a calf is the primary diet of a coyote, and it's just not, not true. Right. The, the primary diet of the coyotes out here, you know, that we're hunting, you've got rabbits, you've got squirrels, you've got mice. Coyote pups love grasshoppers. Mm, uh, really? Oh, they'll, yeah, they eat grasshoppers and crickets like crazy. Huh. And during the summertime, if you ever watch, you see coyote pups, you watch them, um, they're out there in the fields eating, a lot of times they're out there in the fields eating eating grasshoppers. Wow. At least in this part of the country where we are. Now, things can change. Obviously, that's one thing about a coyote that's amazing is they're probably one of the most adaptive animals known to mankind. They can survive anywhere right. from from New York City to, I mean, to from North Dakota to the plains of Texas or wherever, they'll adapt. Mm-hmm. And out here, you know, we've got lots of rabbits and squirrels, uh, crickets, fruit. Obviously, here in the, in, in the Central Valley of California, there's a ton of produce being grown. Um, and if you kill these coyotes out here and if, if you care to open them up and find out what they're eating, it'll blow your mind to find out there's a lot of fruit in there. There's a lot of vegetables. Coyotes out here eat a lot of vegetables, uh, fruit, mice, crickets, squirrels, rabbits. Um, those types of things in this area, at least are the primary diet of coyotes. Mm -hmm. Obviously lots of dead things. They'll eat the neighbor's dead dog or whatever else. And they do kill calves, but calves are not the primary source of their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, coyotes are opportunistic animals, right? So when the opportunity presents itself, they'll certainly certainly take the opportunity. We've there been more than one time where you know ranchers that I know, and even being on the trap line with my dad, you pull up out the early in the morning and you see a cow trying to give birth to a calf, and uh, you, the calf is halfway out. And you've got one or two coyotes hanging on the nose of the calf. Wow. Pulling the you've calf. Have you seen that? Yes. Wow. And so they do it. And again, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying they don't because they do. Um, if the opportunity's there, they'll certainly take it. I'm not, I'm not making them out to be angels, but they don't kill the calves as much as people right. act like they Give do. Give them credit for. Yeah. They 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 uh they they're just they're just opportunistic, so they take the opportunity where it's presented. But I hunt coyotes because it's fun. Coyotes do need to be thinned out. Um, coyotes have an inapt ability to to populate more or less. It's it's scientifically proven if you if you read up on it. Coyote does have the uh, the ability to populate more or less in a particular area. So if if, if there's a high population of coyotes, <clears throat> well, let me ask you. Sorry to cut you off, but like. I've noticed they're more, they're closer to urban areas, very much than they would be just wide open, nothing for miles and miles. Many times, yeah, absolutely, because right here in urban areas, you've got lots of small house cats, you've got lots of small dogs, um, you've got trash, food left in dumpsters, um, and things of that nature that yeah. are that are easy meals, yeah, for them. So yeah, absolutely, coyotes can adapt. Anywhere. I've seen lots of coyotes in downtown urban areas um, that are living very close to where, where you see them standing. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't believe that there's coyotes there, but they are. Well, when we went to Nevada, that's where we were calling our coyotes in. As soon as we went way out in the boondocks, we weren't seeing nothing. No. A lot of t- a lot of times, especially over in Nevada, some of my favorite places to call um, are on the edges of, of hay fields near, near ranch houses and stuff. Coyotes hang I mean... It's, it's, you know, I don't know the science behind it. I'm, I'm obviously not a biologist and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a fish and game warden or anything else, but I can just tell you from years and years of hunting, we've called lots and lots and lots of coyotes in, in urban areas, near houses, 
Um, and they have no problem adapting and living that's quite well in that area. That's the truth. Yeah, so all in all, I mean, they're smart, smart critters. They, they're they made to survive and to, to come out on top, no matter what the odds are against them, I guess, you know. but The, the, odds, are, the odds are definitely against coyotes in a lot of ways. Um, everybody and their brother wants to kill them. Everybody and their brother shoots at them. From ranchers to hunters to deer hunters to uh, elk hunters to bird hunters, duck hunters. I mean, anybody that sees a coyote, for the most part, if they're hunting or have a gun with them, they're going to take a shot at them. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it goes. I mean, everybody shoots at coyotes. That's just the way it goes. Not everybody duck hunts. Not everybody deer hunts. Not everybody elk hunts. But almost everybody I know. That does any of those things. That does any of those things. If they have a gun in their hand Mm -hmm. or a bow... They're going to take a shot at a coyote if it's given yeah. to them. Yeah. But yet they still come out. They thrive. They thrive, dude. Yeah, they thrive. They're coyotes. They're like a weed that just keeps growing back. <laughs> yeah. So they, don't worry, folks. We're never going to no, take you're, them you're out never, of the system. No, you're not going to clean them out. You're no. never going to clean them out. They do need to be, uh, you know, their levels obviously need to be managed. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to managing that. But they, um, you're not going to clean them out. I mean, there's ranches that I've been hunting for years, and we have killed untold numbers of coyotes. And it 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 literally seems as though it doesn't matter how many coyotes we kill, mm-hmm. you go back and there's always coyotes there. Yeah, it's just the way it is. We've trapped, you know. Obviously, in this state, you can't in California. You can't you can't really trap anymore for them. But for years here in California and across the country, you could use steel leg hole traps. Mm. You had guys predator calling. And, and slinging steel all over the state, and the coyote numbers were still very, very strong. Yeah. You just can't, you can't stop them. Yeah. So everybody out there that's worried that we're going to destroy the population, don't worry. There's plenty of coyotes to go around. Yeah, you're not you're not going to put a dent in them. And I'll tell you right now, if you love Toto or a Fru-Fru or whatever, don't leave them in the backyard because a coyote love nothing more than the snack on a little puppy he'll, of yours. He'll slurp him up like a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so he, the, they almost killed Charlie last year. Did they really? Well, yeah. We uh, it was about eight o'clock in the morning. And oh the, yeah, yeah. For those, I mean, for those of you listening, Charlie's Charlie's my wife's dog, and he weighs about eight pounds, nine pounds maybe. And uh, Charlie's a house dog, so he lives in the house. About eight o'clock in the morning, I got up. I let Charlie outside. Um, they're in the yard and, uh, he usually goes out for about 10 minutes and then he'll come back to the door and he comes back in. And Charlie's a dog that never barks, mm-hmm. never. He doesn't bark unless there's somebody at the house. Otherwise he doesn't make any noise. And I let him out and I'm sitting in there drinking my coffee. And, uh, I heard a muffled, faint bark and it kind of caught my attention. And then I heard another muffled, faint bark and I knew something wasn't wasn't quite right. It, actually, I should. I take that back. My wife's actually the one that heard it, f- heard it first, and she told me to go check on Charlie. And then I heard it. I got to the front door, and out in our in on our front door there, we have a, a large deck out front. And uh, when I stepped out the front door, right at the deck again. This is you know eight eight thirty in the morning. Right at the deck at my front door, there were three coyotes standing at the deck, trying to get underneath the deck. And as I stepped out, I heard Charlie bark, obviously more clearly now that I'm outside. Charlie was under the deck barking at him. They were trying to get to him underneath the deck. Three and of them. Three of them. At my front, I mean, at my front door. And uh, obviously when they saw me, they, they broke and run. And uh, they took off as, as fast as they could. Well, when they took off, Charlie's head popped out from underneath the deck. And he looked at me like, thank God you're here. <laughs> and I, I, oh said, my I said, Charlie, get in here, man. I mean, he was scrambling. He was running as fast as he could. His rear end was almost passing his head. He was trying to come in so quick. <laughs> oh, and Charlie. he ran in the house. And, of course, I've always got guns loaded at my house. My rifles are always loaded. So I, when he came in the door, I ran down the hall and grabbed one of my, my rifles. I grabbed my twenty two two fifty. And uh, ran back out on the deck and dropped my bipod and, and fell down on the deck. And the lead coyote, the two lead coyotes were probably um, 350 out from the house, still trotting at that point. The The closest coyote was mm, two to two and a quarter, 225. 
And uh, I dropped on the deck and and got him in the scope, and I barked, and he stopped and turned back and looked at me, and that was that was the last of him. That was the last time he ever did that, and I got him. He was probably the biggest of the group. He was a big, big male, big mature male. His teeth were all worn down, and um, he was a big coyote. But anyway, I ended up killing him. I but, just I just wonder what were the were were they out in the field and saw him or they heard him? I mean, what in the world? They had to have known he was just there just because they're around there all the time. They probably knew. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, out where I live, you know where I live. There's coyotes. Yeah. There's coyotes everywhere. And so we see them. I mean, it's it's not uncommon to, to see a coyote from the house, you know, right. out there near the house. It, it's not uncommon at all to see them. So they could have been, you know, 100 yards out. And they saw him out there in the front moving around and they moved in. They could have been, they might have been 30 yards away. I don't I don't really yeah, know. True. There's just I really no way of knowing. All I know is he wasn't out there very long and I heard his muffled bark underneath the deck and there was three of them trying to get <laughs> under the deck trying to get him. Oh Charlie boy. Yeah, he was he was happy to see like if his eyes could talk, right. He had something to say. When, when, I, when, uh, I, when I come out on the front deck and them coyotes broken run, his head popped out of there like a squirrel out of the ground. He was happy to see me. Those are some brave coyotes. Yeah, well, two, one of them, one of them didn't live to tell about it. And yeah, I don't know. By now, I might have killed the other two. I have no way of knowing. But yeah, we yeah. killed a lot of coyotes right there on the house too. Well, I shot one. I shot one last summer. Uh, we got up early in the morning. My wife and I, we had to go into town, and it was it was probably six or six thirty, and uh, it was just after daylight. And I had been seeing a coyote on, on about three different occasions in the evening. He had walked right by the house. And when I say right by the house, I'm talking 10 to 15 yards. And I have saw him on more than one occasion. Just an evening or two before this, I was out barbecuing on the patio. And uh, he come walking by at 15 yards. And I, I let him go. I don't kill every coyote I see. Right. And uh, I'm just not out trying to, you know, kill every coyote. But I enjoy calling them in. I'd, I'd right. way rather go call them in and kill them yeah. than just drive down the road or just right. shoot them from the porch. So he had been by the house two or three times really close to the house while I was out there. And the fact that he wasn't scared of me at all made me nervous for Charlie. Cause I knew Charlie's out there every day. And, um, I said, you know, that coyote, that one particular coyote, it was the same coyote. I could tell by the way he looked, he was small. Um, I said, he just, he keeps coming real close to the house. If he keeps that up, I'm probably going to have to shoot him because, you know, he'll get Charlie one day. I know it's going to happen if he keeps hanging around. So, a couple days later, I, like I said, saw him barbecuing, saw him in the evening before that. A couple days later, you know, me and my wife get up. We're going to town at 6, 6, 30 in the morning. This coyote is 10 steps from my back doors. Not 10 yards, 10 steps. I mean, he's he's right there. And uh, he's just standing there like he doesn't have any good sense. And I said, you know, that's the end of it. So I just went back down the hall and got old faithful, opened the slider, and there, there was something. I think there was something wrong with him. He yeah. definitely wasn't. He didn't act like. He wasn't acting normal. Yeah. I opened the slider door, and he just kind of looked at me, and I, I shot him right there at, at ten steps from the patio door. So, they're, they're definitely. It was just in the news the other day. You think he was just starving to death? Maybe. I, I don't really know. Are you sick? I mean, maybe. Might have been sick. I, I don't really know. I don't think he's starving to death. There's too much for him to eat out there. Um. Hmm. But he wasn't normal. So what were you saying about but the, the no the other day it was on the news and I I don't remember where I read it but it was a credible news source that um, a family back east and I I don't even remember now what state it was in but this was just last week two coyotes got into the house through the doggy door and killed really yeah killed these people's dog and they came home to blood all over the floor oh. and their and uh, their dog was dead in the house and anyway I don't I don't remember now. If if the coyotes were still stuck in the house and they had to call, I don't remember what happened, how it all came about. And I don't want to try to quote it because, you know, I'm going to miss some details. But anyway, a, a couple coyotes, one or two coyotes anyway, got in the doggy door and killed killed these people's dogs. So they will do it. They'll eat oh, them man. up. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for coming on, Josh. I've been uh, tried a couple times to hook up. It just didn't work out. But glad you stopped by the house. Uh, Josh lives a little bit out of town now, so it's it's harder to hook up. But when he is in town, it's good to get together. We had a little bit of Mexican food here a little bit ago, and yeah. had some dinner. And um, I'm not a big time summer 
coyote hunter, even though it is fun to get out, but I'm so busy at summertime getting up at two and three in the morning. I just don't want to stay out in the dark to do that because I got to get up in a few hours. But this fall and whenever we'd like to get out and get going again, but waterfowl season's coming up. Josh is going to be out there. You'll see him in the videos. He's going to be back at it again. He hasn't, how many, how long has it been since you've been duck hunting? Uh, since I've been really duck hunting, it's probably been, man, five, six years, I guess. Uh, yeah. Sounds I started right. duck hunting, I guess my first real season was when I was 12. Right. And hunted for. You've been doing it a long time. Yeah, Just duck hunting for a long time. And then kinda, five, six years ago, I don't really know what happened. Well, what's making you want to get back into it? Uh, camaraderie just i think the camaraderie probably yeah. is the biggest factor yeah, yeah just to get back with everybody again and and uh, i enjoyed there's duck a lot hunting. of people doing it now dude oh there's a lot i mean it used to literally be i mean me you travis talon all you know colton teddy that's about it uh, yeah and we, originally I, we were i was duck hunting with travis before Talon was big enough to go. Right, right. I mean, I, I literally have pictures with Travis. I'm, I was 12 years old. Yeah. Holding up ducks. And Travis is, so I'm 35. Travis is 46 or 47. So he's 11 or 12 years older. So Travis was 23 or 24. And I was duck hunting with him when I was 12. Talon, Talon was even, never even thought Talon of. Talon wasn't even a thought. He wasn't even born then. <laughs> wasn't even a twinkle in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, 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 go, we go back a long way duck hunting. And uh, did it for many years and, and kind of fell out and, and quit going there. I bought a brand new, bought a Browning brand new Browning. Browning five, Browning three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I spent haven't even like, using it, 1600 man. or something on it. Bought a brand new Browning A5. Through. Things like brand new. Well, it is brand new. I've only killed, I killed, I shot two ducks with it out at my house last year out off the creek. Mm-hmm. One of them was that banded Drake. I mosey out of bed. Still can't believe that. Drink my coffee and walk Makes out to the creek sick. and shoot a couple of mallards. One of them was a banded Drake and then killed a turkey with it. And uh, That's about it, huh? For that shotgun, that's it. That guy, I bought that shotgun for waterfowl hunt. I took it, I took it the year I bought it. We took it, I took it duck hunting with you guys early, like early season out there when we're, that one spot where all those shovels Oh, were. yeah, yeah, yeah. That one day, and, yeah, and that uh, was that was five years ago. That's when I bought it. Okay. So I bought it that summer. Yeah, not long after I bought mine. Yeah, and took it out, and we killed a bunch of shovelers with it that day. Yeah, that's true. And I don't even know if I went duck hunting again the rest of that year, and haven't been back since. Yeah. Except those two ducks out of my out of the creek. Out right. There. Sweet. Well, we're looking forward to that. I'll be. It's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to. Fun. It. We got to. In fact, well, if Webster decides he's gonna go or not, I guess I guess he's on the fence still. I'm not really on the fence. I just got to get it coordinated because I've got well, an elk hunt. I've got an elk hunt in New Mexico. I've got an antelope hunt in Colorado. We've got a duck hunt in Washington, and then I've got some coyote trips to Nevada, and uh, of course out here. Just got a lot planned, so I got to try to figure out how to get it all coordinated and make it all fit. Well, the question is, are you going to go with us? That's the plan is to go. Yes. When are you going to know for sure? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess we, I, I we, guess. three of us know already. I know. And you're trying to nail me down. And you I understand. You got to get nailed down. And I have to get nailed down. I have to get nailed down. I understand it. And it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating when you have somebody you're wanting to go well, I, and they're wishy washy and mm-hmm. you can't get them nailed down. We all know people like that. Yes. And it drives me insane. And so I'm being that guy and I'm sorry. But I'm gonna try very soon to yeah, get it know. to get it nailed down in it's not stone. as far away as you think. No, it's not. It's right around the corner. Yeah. October will be here. Blink of an eye. The blink of an eye, yeah. So gotta get ready. Yeah. I gotta get new waiters. What are you gonna buy? I don't know. Cheapest out there? No, I'm not gonna, you gonna buy go cheap. Sitka? I'm not going Sitka. <laughs> no, I'm not going uh, Sitka. I sound like a rep now. <sighs> I don't know. I de- well, I guarantee you're going to be buying breathables, right? Without a doubt. Yeah, that's not even. The- you know, I don't even know what took me back. We're supposed to be ending this podcast, but I don't even know what took me back to buying neoprenes. I honestly don't know because I used to have breathables, and all I've done is sweat my rear end off all the way till January. I a lot of guys are going to not agree with me again, but I personally, it's my opinion. 
for California duck hunting. You don't. I hate neoprene waders. Yeah. It's never cold enough here. I don't think as many people would disagree with you as you think, honestly. Maybe not. I've sweated for years. All I wore was neoprene, and I always I sweated to death out there. The first half of our All duck the season the is, the season. is warm. Yeah. Unless it's just a fluke season, the first half of it is very warm, and the latter part of it isn't cold enough that that you feel like you're freezing to death. In the coldest part of the season, normally I've got a pair of sweats or right. a pair of thermal pants on inside my breathables, yeah. and I'm 100% warm, 100% yeah. comfortable, and I have the mobility and uh, the freedom to move around. And right. so once once I bought breathables, I I, ne- I swore I'd never go back to neoprene, not in this state anyway. Yeah. Yep. So... I'm I'm definitely put those sickas through the test because man they're like wearing I'll tell you what they're like wearing dress slacks really it's literally almost like you're not wearing anything <laughs> so I'm like man when this comes down to colder temps I'm just curious I mean obviously I'm gonna layer underneath but it's gonna be interesting it's but when you have breathables and there's a lot of room it's easy to layer yes so when it gets really cold a pair of sweatpants is gonna be plenty. Exactly. A pair of sweat. And how comfortable is a pair of sweats? Very comfortable. I mean, that's what you wear. That's the epitome of comfort. Right. 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 So when you're, you're sitting a, around at the house. When you're wanting sitting to be around wanting you're to be comfortable, sweats. you're wearing sweats. Yeah. So in early season, I wore paper thin pajama pants. Right. The first half of the year. That was like my quote unquote base layer under my yeah. breathables. Just because I don't like that feeling of that material. Like some guys just don't. Yeah, I don't. Go, I didn't like that material the, from the breathe. The Jones, man, but it's like, eh, I just don't like that against my skin. Yeah, I didn't like it rubbing against my legs, so I would wear the thinnest right. pair of pajama pants just I owned. Just be a separation between yep. that. Yeah. And 100% comfortable. Yep. So, pretty, All right. pretty well, good. Guys, thanks for joining us in this podcast. podcast. Thank you, Josh, for coming in. It's been a pleasure. And sitting around talking, some killing some old yotes and night hunting and ended off with a perfect topic of duck hunting. So, guys, we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>